Thanks for joining in our singings you have this morning. It's a great day when we can begin with songs of praise to God and just drawing close to our wonderful Lord. I want to tell you, I uh, appreciate when uh, you find good little articles or stories to, to send me because they kind of keep me fresh and keep me thinking about things. And so uh, this last week, Coach Don Carthel, who for a long time was the uh, football coach at WT and a good friend of mine, sent me this little story that I wanted to share with you. A preacher riding a bicycle comes along and finds a little boy with a lawnmower for sale. How much do you want for the mower, asked the preacher. Well, I want just enough money to go out and buy me a bicycle, said the little boy. After a moment of consideration, the preacher asked, Well, do you take my bike and a trade-in for it? The little boy asked if he could try it out first, and after riding the bike around for a little while, said, Mister, you've got yourself a deal. Well, the preacher took the mower and began to crank it. He pulled on the rope a few times with no response from the mower. The preacher called the little boy over and said, I can't get this mower to start. The preacher called the little boy over and said, the uh, little boy said, that's because you've got to cuss to get it started. The preacher said, well, I can't cuss. I've been a Christian so long that I don't even remember how to cuss. The little boy looked at him happily and said, you keep pulling that rope. It'll come back to you. <laughs> You know, we find things that are interesting that we share, and uh, I'd encourage you, you got something to send it to me, email or mail it to me or call me, I would appreciate that. I've got a story I want to share with you today called, How to Know You Have Eternal Life. And if you got your Bible, we're going to be looking in the book of 1 John today, so just open your Bible up to 1 John, that's where we're going to be studying. I want to tell you that doubt is a terrible word. You know, in all areas of life, that is a very difficult thing to deal with. In your marriage, if you doubt the faithfulness of your mate, it's going to be difficult to have a happy life together. Where you work, if you doubt that you have a job and you think you may get fired, that's a difficult thing to live with. You know, there are a lot of companies that are downsizing now, and, and there are people who are losing their jobs, and that's a terrible thing to feel doubt that you may not be fired and may lose your job. You know, that's true about life. If you uh, maybe have some kind of health problem and you just doubt if you're going to be able to live and make it, it's a horrible thing to live with. And as a Christian... If you're not confident that you are saved, but if you have doubts about your salvation, that is a difficult thing to live with. And sometimes I hear people say when asked, are you saved? Well, I hope so. I want to tell you, that's, a, that's not the right answer because God wants us to be assured, I think, of our salvation. There are three things I want to tell you about salvation to kind of lay a background for our study. Number one, I want to tell you that salvation is immediately, immediate. I was baptized when I was 13, and I'm no more a Christian today and no more saved than I was when I first became a Christian, was baptized at age 13. God does not save on the installment plan, and when you're saved, you are saved immediately. Number two, it is permanent. Now, uh, there is no thought when you become a Christian in the mind of God that it's not going to work out. 
You see, very much like when you uh, get a baby at the hospital. You know, you don't say, well, now, I'm going to keep this baby as long as uh, he doesn't have colic, or if he doesn't cry too much, or if it doesn't cost too much to keep him. But rather, when you get that baby, there is no doubt in your mind that you are going to keep that baby, and it's going to be yours and raised in your family. Now, the Bible does say that it's possible for a person to fall away over in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. But I want to tell you, that's not the way God intended it. God intended when you become a Christian for you to remain a Christian and for that to be a permanent relationship that you have with Him. And number three, let me tell you that it's either way. That is, you are either saved or you're lost. A couple comes in to see me, and I ask them, well, you all are married or not? And they say, well, kind of. Well, you're not kind of married. You're either married or you're not married. And when it comes to being a Christian, you are either saved or you're not saved. There is no other choice because that's the way God has arranged things. I want to tell you, number one, that God wants you to know your situation. Now, I've got a verse here I want to share with you in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And listen carefully, if you will, to the Word of God. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, that's an important statement. John said, I want you to know that you have eternal life. Now, let me tell you, the word know was important to John. And he uses that word 23 times in the book of 1 John. Now, the opposite of knowing is doubting and being unsure of your relationship. But this word know means knowledge that's based on fact, not upon rumor or upon feeling. But what he wants you to know is to be absolutely sure that you are saved. Now, that does not mean that you are sinless. That doesn't mean that you never foul up and make a mistake. But it means that you are one who is living confidently that despite your weakness, by the grace of God, that you are a saved person and you're in a right relationship with God. Remember that story over in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 20, when Jesus had sent out His disciples, and He'd given them the power to perform miracles, and they came back excited because they had been able to raise uh, people who were sick and been able to help those who had problems, and they were able to heal, and they were rejoicing. But Jesus said, wait a minute, don't rejoice in that. What you ought to rejoice in, he says, is that your names are written in heaven. That's the thing you and I ought to be rejoicing about, that we are saved, we are confident, and that our names are written in heaven. Now, in 1 John, he's going to give us three ways that you can know you are saved and that you have a right relationship with God. So, if you want to follow with me these, first of all, in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, he said you can know you're saved if you keep the commandments of God. Here's the way John wrote concerning our relationship with God. We know that we have come to know Him if we can keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar and the truth is not in Him. 
But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. That is, he says, the way you can know that you are a child of God is that you have obeyed the commands of God. Well, I wonder, do you know what the basic commands of God are? And if you had an opportunity, could you teach somebody and share with them the gospel of what it means to become a Christian and how they do so? Well, if you need a little help, out in the foyer there is a little booklet called Connecting with God. And in this little book, it is a step-by-step plan so that you can explain to anyone how it is that they become a Christian. And it may be that your husband or wife needs you to explain that to them. Or maybe you have a child or a grandchild. Maybe you have a friend that you would like to share with them the gospel as to how one becomes a Christian. And if you get this little booklet, you can take as many as you want, and I want to encourage you to use those so there will be no doubt in your mind, but you will be assured that you are a child of God and that you have obeyed the commands of God. Connecting with God, a very simple, easy way, a tool for you to use so that you can help someone know how that they can feel assured that they have obeyed the commands of God. Jesus, when He gave the Great Commission, He said this, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. And that story was kind of uh, connected and drawn out over in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, when there was a man who was an official from Ethiopia, had been to Jerusalem to worship. And as he was going home, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip came up to him and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no, I really need somebody to guide me. And so the Bible said that he opened the Scripture and began teaching him about Jesus. And they came to some water, and the man said, See, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And they stopped the chariot. They went down into the water, and he was baptized into Christ. What a wonderful thing that is when one is a believer in Jesus, and they're baptized, and they become a part of the family of God. To understand what baptism really is, there is no greater passage than Romans chapter 6, 1 through 6. And I'd like to share that out of the translation of the Bible called the message, which in a very clear way helps us understand what takes place. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what happened when baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Ah, what a wonderful thing to note that one can be baptized into Christ, leave the old life, and become one who is a brand new person in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we know that we are saved? 
First of all, if we have obeyed and kept the commandments of God. Well, number two, the second way that John says we do that is our attitude toward the commandments of God. Listen, if you will, in uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commandments. In fact, this is love for God to keep His commandments. And His commands are not burdensome. He said, not only do you keep the commands of God, but it is your attitude toward the commands of God that show that you are a saved person. He said, His commands are not burdensome. Now, the word burdensome means back-breaking, something that you do not like to do. When I grew up uh, in Tulsa, we had a hedge around our house. And I don't know how it was, but so somehow I got the job of keeping the hedge trimmed. I want to tell you, I hated that. I mean, it was hot in Tulsa, humid. You'd have to get out there and cut down that old hedge, and I just hated doing it. And I made this vow that if I ever got a house in my home, I'd never have a hedge around it because I don't like cutting that thing. And you see, that's what the word burdensome means. It means that you do something, but you just hate doing it. Now, the opposite of that is a story you find in Genesis chapter 29, verse 20. The story of Jacob and Rachel. Did you know that in the Bible days, Oftentimes, in order to be able to marry a daughter, you had to work for the father. And in the case here of Jacob and Rachel, he had to work 14 years in order to be able to marry her. Can you imagine that? And then here's what the Bible says. But it seemed to him like only a few days because of his love for her. Ah, it wasn't burdensome. It wasn't a thing that was hard to do. He loved her, and he could just uh, willingly do whatever was asked of him because he wanted to marry Rachel. You see, if you have a burdensome thing, it's a thing you may do, but you hate doing it. But if it's something that you love and some person you love, you can do it graciously. And you see, the whole thing about God's commands is His attitude toward them and the way that we feel toward them as we obey God. There are five things I want to tell you that God has given you as commands that you need to be able to do and it not be burdensome. Number one, that is to seek first His kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 33. That is, above all else, you put the kingdom of God and serving Him. And that's not a burdensome thing to you. But you do it because of love for God and for a love for His commands, and you do it without any kind of complaining or arguing. Number two, you honor the Lord with your wealth. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. He said, and then your barns are going to be overflowing. And you see, when it comes time to give, if you truly love God, you're going to be giving and that is not going to be a burdensome thing to you. Number three, you're not going to miss the meetings of the church. Now, Hebrews 10.25 says that God wants His people to show up when the church meets. 
And if you really love God, it's not going to be a burdensome thing to you, but rather you're going to keep that command of God because you love God and because you love His people. Number four, Galatians 5.13 said, we ought to serve one another in love. That is that we look after each other and we care for one another and we serve each other and we do it with a loving heart. And, and that command of God is not something that's burdensome to us. And number five would be this, and that is we are spreading the message of the Lord. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 18, it says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that is He expects us to be the ones who are spreading the Word. And we're spreading the Word and talking to people and inviting people because the Word of God is important to us. And that's what He has commanded us to do. And it's not burdensome. Ten years ago, uh, our family... Lunell and I, and her mother and daddy, uh, took a trip to Alaska. And uh, her dad and I are both fishermen, and so we love fishing. And there was one kind of an exotic fish up in Alaska that we had never caught called the grayling. And, and both of us wanted to catch one of those graylings. And uh, so we got a map, and we got the information from the... Uh, fish and game department about where's a good place to catch them, and they outlined a lake to uh, have a good chance to catch one, and we decided to go there. But now here's the problem. In order to get that lake, you had to, first of all, make a trip three miles straight up. And then after you made a trip three miles up there, then you had to have another mile over to the lake. Now, I want to tell you, ten years ago, my father-in-law was 85, so I said, well, do you think you can make it? Yeah, I can make it. And there was a path that the Game and Fish Department had made, but it wasn't back and forth like switchback. It was just straight up for three miles. And we made it three miles up there, got to the top, rested for a few minutes, made another mile over to the lake and uh, fished. I hate to tell you, but he caught two grayling. I didn't catch any. And uh, then it came time for us to come home, and we made the mile trip back to the edge. And then we're going to have three miles straight down. And I asked him, I said, well, can I help you with anything? He said, yeah. He said, would you mind carrying my fishing pole down? And I said, well, I'd just be glad to. And so I got his fishing pole, and we walked down the three miles, and we made it fine. But I want to tell you something. I gladly carried that pole. And it wasn't a burden to me. I mean, I love him, and I was glad to be able to help him. And you see, if you love someone, then doing what they ask you to do, it's not a burdensome thing to you. And so it is. John says, not only can you know you are a child of God if you obey the commands of God, but secondly, that the commands of God are not burdensome. But rather, because you love God, you're going to do it openly and uh, with a good spirit and with a good heart. Well, number three, the third thing he said is found in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And that is, he said, if you really are a saved person, you're going to love the brothers. Here's what John wrote. First John chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, 
and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Anyone, he says, number three, you can know you're saved if you love the brothers. Now, that word uh, is kind of an important word because that word brothers literally means family. That is, you love the family of God. And that's one of the signs that you are a saved person and in the right relationship with God. Now, loving your brothers and sisters is a way that Jesus said people are going to be able to identify the church. Over in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he said, By this will all men know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. I want to tell you, when you look at the church, how do you see and how do you feel about the members of the church? How do you feel about the family? Well, if you are really in a right relationship with God, he said you're going to love your brothers and sisters. Let me just ask you, how do you feel about the church? How do you feel about every member of this family? Do you really love them and care for them? If you do, that's a pretty good sign that you've got a right relationship with God. When Lou and Al and I first got married, uh, before we had children, we had cats. Uh, the first place we lived was in Thermopolis, Wyoming. And I guess like most young couples, we didn't have a washing machine or a dryer or anything, but uh, when we got ready to do washing, we would uh, just gather up all of our washing and go down to the laundromat. And we got down there one day, and uh, we were doing our washing, and a little black cat walked in. I mean, that cat had the awfulest voice you ever heard. It made a mass, uh, sound that was just weary. And, uh, but, but it really seemed like it needed some love. And so we began petting the little cat. And it was kind of like a Siamese. It had a knot in his tail. Uh, and uh, we took the little cat home and we, we gave it the name Nuisance. And the cat lived up to its name. We had a, a neighbor that lived next door to us that had a Springer Spaniel dog. And uh, Springer Spaniels are pretty stocky little dogs, and they have a little tail about that long sitting up. And we kept nuisance food out in the garage. And the dog from next door found out about the food, and it would come over to get nuisance food. Nuisance would climb up uh, on something there in the garage, and that dog would start eating its food and start wagging its tail. And she would just leap down on that dog and grab that tail and bite it. Well, you can imagine the fight was on. And we, she finally could run the neighbor's dog out. But uh, Nuisance lived up to her name. She was a nuisance. Well, when we left uh, Thermopolis, Wyoming, we moved uh, for two years to uh, Baird, Texas, just outside of Abilene. I went to school. And so Luna got her another cat. And uh, this one was a sweet, long-haired cat named Tabby. And it was a sweet cat. It'd go outside. But one evening, Tabby didn't come in. I mean, Lunell was worried to death about what happened to Tabby. And the next morning, she had me up early to go down to the little newspaper and put an ad in the newspaper advertising we'd lost our cat. We didn't find out till later till that the neighbor's dog had killed Tabby. But you know, there was sadness in our family. Here, we had lost a cat. And I wonder, 
what do you feel when there are people who are members of this church who are part of your spiritual family and they're missing and they're not here? Do you have any desire and any inclination to reach out to them because you love them and care for them because they are a part of your family? One of the ways that John says that you and I can identify that we really are saved by the Lord is that we love our brothers and sisters. And when somebody's missing, we reach out to them. We give them a call. We go by and see them. We do something to let them know that we miss them because we love them, that they're a part of our family. Over in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 26 and 27, Paul says, you need to realize that the church is a body. And if one part of the body is hurting, we're all hurting. Did you ever try to nail something up to the wall and uh, miss the nail and hit your thumb? What hurts? Well, you hurt all over because that's the way the body is. And when somebody is missing from the family of God, we hurt because we love them, because they are a part of our spiritual family. So, John said, you know, I don't want there to be any doubt about it. I want you to know that you have eternal life. I want you to know beyond any doubt that you are a saved person. He said, here are three ways. Number one, you obey the commands of God. Number two, the commands of God are not burdensome to you. And number three, because you love those who are brothers and sisters in the church. I wonder, is there any doubt in your mind about your relationship with God? Is there any doubt that if you were to die tonight, that you'd go to heaven? God wants you to live so that you don't say, well, I hope so, or I, I, I would like to, but to be able to say, I know I am. So that's why John wrote 1 John 5, 13. He said, I've written this to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can take care of that today. You know, it may be that today you want to say, you know, I'd like to confess my faith to be baptized into Christ. Everything's in readiness if you'd like to do that. We're going to sing a song of invitation in just a minute. Uh, I'll be up here at the front and our elders will be at the back. And if there's any way we can help you make sure that you know you're going to heaven, I'd encourage you to take that step and reach out in faith and do it even right now as we stand and sing our song invitation together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But now I'm found Was blind But now I see